If you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 1. We'll pick up with Revelation next week. Uh, as you're doing that, I want to thank four people. So everybody is important. We appreciate all that everybody's done to kind of bring us to this spot. Four people in particular, uh, Chris and Allie Cochran. Uh, they guided us through the entire renovation process. Chris came on early and helped us uh, navigate the bids, figure out which contractor to use. And then he and Allie have tag teamed walking us through the renovation. I don't know if there's a record. We've had 34 change orders. I assume that's not a few. Uh, and she and he have kept us on schedule and on budget, and they've done it all super gracefully. And we're super thankful for them. Uh, Austin Mann did all of the interior design. You'll see that uh, when you're able to come through. So thankful for her expertise and the way that she's given so much to help us, again, kind of make this building a home. And then... Um, I got her. Danielle Musoff. She... Uh, She's done so much. She inventoried this building. She packed, she packed up literally everything on the, on the square. She organized the move. She, uh, she stays behind the scenes and serves so well. Really thankful for her. So if you know them, Chris and Allie, Danielle, Austin, reach out to them and tell them how much you appreciate all they've done to help us get into this building. Couldn't have done it without them. So this is Pentecost Sunday. You may not know that. Doesn't get the publicity of Easter or Christmas, but super important in the life of the church. It's actually the birthday of the church. And so I want to read you a little bit from Acts just to give you some background on this first birthday of the church. So this is Jesus talking. This is right before he ascends into heaven, and he's talking to his uh, disciples. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised and you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around Jesus and said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, no, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So this is 10 days later. Suddenly a sound like that of blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Skip over to verse 36. Peter gives a sermon. And this is the end of the sermon. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, Jesus, uh, Peter warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. 
Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Birthday of the church. Why is it considered that? Uh, Jesus had 120 followers already. They were meeting in an upper room. They were praying together. What is it about this Pentecost day that makes us say that's the birthday of the church? Jesus had given his followers a commission. You heard Tom Fraley refer to it, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And so that's this commission, the assignment that Jesus gave to his uh, to his followers. The church was not this gathering, this 120 people. They didn't have the resources to fulfill that great commission yet. They loved Jesus. They were following Jesus. They were meeting together and they were praying, but they didn't have the, the resources. They weren't empowered to fulfill their assignment. They couldn't fulfill the great commission as they were. They needed the Holy Spirit. They needed to be filled and empowered by him. And that had not yet happened until this Pentecost day. That's why we call it the birthday of the church. That was the day that the church came into existence, was actually able to fulfill the calling that Jesus had placed upon it. This great commission, making disciples of all nations. Super appropriate to me that our first Sunday in this new building is Pentecost Sunday. When we first moved onto the square about 13 years ago, it was easy for us in that moment to recognize our need for God. We had 30 adults. We had 17 kids. If we had a great month of giving, we had $10,000 come through. We had this 3,600 square foot building situated on a corner of death with inadequate HVAC and plumbing that only worked sometimes. Like we knew if we, if we were just going to be around for a couple of weeks, much less if we were actually going to make a difference in our community, we needed God. We needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And honestly, it could be easy for us to lose sight of that now. We don't have 30 adults. We have 800, and we don't have 17 kids. We have 350, and we just in April, we had $125,000 come through, not $10,000. We, we have this beautiful 28,000-square-foot building on five acres, and in some way we can maybe kind of fall into this trap of, again, thinking we've arrived or that we've got something to offer this city. And, and what we have to offer this city is the same thing we had 13 years ago. And it's Jesus. And the only way we can be a faithful witness to him and what he's done in our life is if we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's easy for us to look at the resources that we have, to look at the areas of strength that we have, and, and maybe just to lose sight of the fact. Maybe we don't need God quite as much as we used to. We're not a small, struggling congregation any longer. That'd be the death of us. We may still exist as an organization. We won't have any impact as a people of God. We won't fulfill the calling that God has placed on us, the, the unique uh, version of the Great Commission, or our, our unique part, I should say, of the Great Commission. Just like we talk about individually, we each have a calling on our life. There's good works that God's created in advance for us to do. We call it doing your deal. Our, our congregation has, has that same uh, sense as well. There's good works that God has called us to do as a people. We can't do those apart from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So appropriate that our first Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. 
Our need is just the same. The issue for us, though, is at times we aren't aware of our need. Again, when, you're, when we're small and struggling, it's easy to remember maybe in your own life you can think about uh, maybe the first time you went on a mission trip, you realized, I, I need God, or I'm not going to be able to make it. Maybe the first time you, you spoke in public, uh, in a public setting, you thought, man, if I, I need God. Maybe a difficult conversation at work or a difficult conversation at home. In those moments, you realize your need for God. It's not necessarily that your need for Him has changed. It's in Him that we live and move and have our being, but... At times, we're more aware of that. It's true for us individually. It's true for us corporately. This first Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, reminds us our need for, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit if we're going to be able to accomplish the works that Jesus has for us. I had a class in seminary, evangelism. It was one of the, my bottom three classes ever in my whole history of school. And one of the reasons is the assignment. We had to go talk to three strangers... And we had to tell them about Jesus, an insecure introvert, like I would rather have a root canal. So that was, this, that was part of our assignment. And before we were sent out to do this, our, my professor, he talked about the need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. If we were going to be witnesses, we needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the metaphor that he used actually was taken from Acts 2 about wind. And he was saying, you know, like it, meteorologically, tough word, weather-wise, wind moves from high pressure to low pressure. And he said the Holy Spirit is similar. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. When you hear those words proud and humble, don't think about different people. Think about yourself at different points in your own life. Even throughout a day, there are times where we are proud, where we're independent and we're self-sufficient. And there are times where we're humble. We recognize our need and our dependency upon Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, he moves away from the proud, away from high pressure and to the humble, to the to low pressure. He moves away from those who uh, would revel in their independence or their self-sufficiency, and he moves towards those who acknowledge their need for him. It's been a great picture for me for the last 20-something years to have in my mind at this, am I high pressure or am I low pressure right now? Am I making myself available to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered by him for the work that he's called me to? Here again, first Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, it's an opportunity for us to get low, to acknowledge our need for God, even in the midst of all of this generosity that's been poured out in this great building and a, a wonderful staff and an incredible congregation and all the resources we have to say, all of that's great, but it doesn't move us towards seeing our community transformed by God unless we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. I had a interesting, I would say, tense relationship with the Holy Spirit from 22 to 25. Those three years when I was in seminary, I heard words like empowered that Tom Fraley, who you saw in that video, he, I worked for him. I was a youth pastor, if you can imagine that. Nothing says youth like me. So I was the youth pastor for him. Uh, and Mary Margaret and I would drive over. They lived uh, several hours away from us, and we would drive over on Tuesday night and spend the night with he and his wife, Leanne, and then we would work with their students. He had a, a Christian school and uh, then a youth group, and we would work with them on Wednesday and drive back. And so that was my life, or our life, for uh, two and a half years of my three years in seminary. And during that time, I was really being stretched in terms of my own relationship with the Holy Spirit. Every week I was having to do a talk and try to connect with these kids that were not like me at all. We were in eastern Kentucky. It was an 
Appalachian area. One of, I think at that point it was the eighth poorest county in the country. It was a very different atmosphere for me. And I was trying to figure out how do I connect with these kids and what am I supposed to be doing every Wednesday night as this youth pastor. And, and again, I, it created a lot of tension. And I would hear words like, well, you need to be empowered. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He empowers us. And in my mind, I was thinking it's probably like Popeye, like I'll eat spinach and then I'll feel spiritually strong. I'll pray to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'll have these spiritual muscles and I'll feel different. And so I can step into these ministry settings or I can walk out in obedience and I'll feel different. I'll feel confident moving into those things. And that was never my reality. Like I would, I would pray and fast and listen and wait and do all the things that you're supposed to do. I never felt any different. It was this massive misconception for me that to be empowered is the same thing as feeling empowered. It's not true. I remember there's a story in uh, Joshua. It's Joshua's first public act as a leader. They're about to, the Israelites are congregating on the Jordan River and they're going to cross over into the promised land. And what God says to Joshua is, send the Levites with the ark out into the middle of the river and it's not going to part until they put their feet in the water. Once they put their feet in the water, then, the, then I'll, I'll stop the flow of the Jordan from upstream and it'll create dry land. But you have to take the step first. And I was thinking about Joshua and wondering, Again, first public act following Moses as a leader. And he's telling these guys, you got to get your feet wet first. And that's to me, is much more what it looks like for us when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's much less Popeye, where you get to eat the spinach and feel yourself being strong before you do the thing. And much more like Joshua and those Levites. You got to get your feet wet. God's always looking for faith. He's always looking, are you willing to take a risk in obedience to me? Are you willing to take a risk and have this conversation? Are you willing to take a risk and initiate this relationship? Are you willing to take a risk and pray for this person? Are you willing to take a risk and share, to give, to serve? It's all of those areas of obedience. Are you willing to do that even when you don't feel empowered to do it? It holds many of us back. We don't feel empowered so we wind up not really engaging in obedience. We don't do the things God's put in front of us because we don't feel like, we, we, we don't have the big Popeye muscles from eating our spinach. And I want to encourage you just as we wrap up today, we're going to pray a couple of things. But that's one of the things I would really challenge you around is, are you confusing feeling empowered with being empowered? When Jesus is talking to his disciples about prayer in Luke, he says, if you're evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more can you trust your father who's good to give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? And that's really what settled things for me at 25 years old is at some point I realized it's not about how I feel. It's not about how I'm asking or waiting or listening or striving. At some point I just have to say, God's a good father. And he said, if we ask, then he'll empower us. And so I'm just going to ask. And even if I don't feel any different, I'm going to put my feet in the water. I'm just going to take a step and trust him to meet me. And he's been faithful to do that over the last 20 years. So uh, pray with me as we close out this service, if you would. Uh, wherever you're watching, if you can create a little space in your heart, that would be great. If you feel like you can't, kids are going nuts or whatever, then just push pause and come back when you have some time. 
We probably blew through some of your good time on the front end. God, again, we acknowledge your goodness to us. And God, we want to acknowledge now our need for you. And I would encourage you just to do that. And if you're willing, like you, you don't have to yell it, but maybe you can mumble it. There's something about saying a prayer out loud versus just thinking it. God, I acknowledge my need for you today, Pentecost Sunday. I recognize that without your empowerment, I'm never going to be able to do the good works that you've called me to do. And even more than that, Ezekiel uh, 36, we read that God gives us the Holy Spirit and he moves us to obey. So even loving God and loving people well, we're not going to do those things apart from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. God, I confess I can't do that apart from you. And for some of you, you may not feel that. You may just be saying the words. And I think it's okay to ask the Lord and say, honestly, I don't know if I really believe that. I feel like I'm doing pretty good. You can ask him to show you your need. He'll do it mercifully. It can be life-changing when you recognize your own inadequacy. And that's not about beating yourself up, but it does remind us that we live completely contingent upon, completely dependent upon the Lord. So God, I, I acknowledge my need for you. I thank you that you've given me your Holy Spirit. If you're following Jesus, then the Holy Spirit already lives within you. That's in Ephesians 1. He's been given to you as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. He's living within your heart. I thank you that you've given me your Holy Spirit. And I pray now that you would empower me to be a witness. And you don't have to think about going door to door. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about according to your personality, the way God has formed you and knit you together within your relational context and grid. Being willing to give away to others what God has given to you. Freely we've received and so freely we give. So God, I acknowledge that I need to be empowered by your spirit to be a witness, to do the good works that you've created for me to do, to love you well and to love others well. So would you do that? Would you empower me now? As you pray that, for some of you, you may feel something. You may feel kind of a, a warm, fuzzy feeling or something. And that's wonderful. And some of you are not going to feel a thing. Don't get frustrated. It's not, you're not Popeye and the Holy Spirit's not spinach. This is an opportunity for you to express some faith. And so you may want to pray something like this. God, I acknowledge that you're a good father. And you only know how to give good gifts. And you say very clearly that if we ask, you'll give us your Holy Spirit. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm asking you to empower me. And I'm trusting that regardless of how I feel, that you have in fact done that. And now I pray that you would show me what does it look like for me to walk in obedience? What does it look like for me 
to be a witness in the world in which you've placed me. And that's going to look radically different, highly individualized. God, what does it look like for me to be a witness in the community in which you've placed me? And something may already pop into your mind, and I would encourage you to obey that quickly. So that simple prayer, that's something that I would say you pray throughout every day. That, high, that idea of high pressure and low pressure. Every time you acknowledge your need, you're getting low, you're humbling yourself, and that invites the Holy Spirit to fill you and empower you. You don't have to pray that long every time, but just something along those lines. God, I acknowledge that in this situation I need you, so would you fill me? God, I acknowledge that in this conversation I'm about to have, I need you. Would you empower me? Just those, those brief prayers of dependence, of acknowledging your own need. I, I think, I know, it'll change your life. Every time you do that, you're humbling yourself. Every time you do that, you're creating that low pressure in your heart. And the Holy Spirit loves to come and to fill that and then to empower you. You may not feel any different, but you'll wind up looking back in a week, in a month, in a year, and you'll see fruit. You'll see fruit. The way the Lord used you to love and to serve and to bless someone else. So God, I pray that would be, again, that would be our legacy here on this corner. Loving you well, loving others well, doing our part, whatever that part is, to be a part of the body of Christ here in Marietta, to fill, fulfill the great commission in our city and in our world. God, I pray that we would always remember and acknowledge our need for you regardless of how many people or how many dollars or how many square feet or uh, how good we get at a program or whatever those things are. We would, we would always remember that apart from your empowering, we've got nothing. We can do nothing that produces anything worth anything. So now this this first day, this Pentecost Sunday, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. I pray you would empower every person who's connected to Stonebridge, individually, children, students, and adults. And I pray that you would empower us collectively to be a witness to you, Jesus, here in Marietta. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, again, look for that email from Kim later on today. If you have any questions, reach out to your ministry area leader, uh, to Matt for adults, for Katie uh, for uh, children, and for Jeremy for students. We want to make sure that all of you are uh, fully informed on what we're going to be doing in the month of June. And just one other thing, again, we recognize some of you, the best decision, the wisest, the most faithful decision is for you to continue to avoid gatherings. Do that and do not feel guilty. Do not feel second class. Do not feel like a sissy or that your faith is not strong. None of that. We're not creating two bodies. We're beginning to open up the church for those who feel comfortable uh, and are able to gather together in smaller groups. And for those that are not, that's just not the, the right thing for you to do, we want to continue to pastor you well, and we want you to continue to remain connected vitally in to this congregation. So you, if you'll uh, reach out to us, we will do our best uh, to respond to you. You guys have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you soon.